Hey guys, welcome back to the Stuck in the Rut podcast. Tonight we have a great guest for you, Dallas Lane of Lane Precision Rifles. Dallas has built a lot of guns for Stuck in the Rut, and he is just super knowledgeable and particular about long-range rifles, the process of building them, tweaking them, working up loads, and if I ever have any issues, I call Dallas and puts my mind at ease. He builds really high-end guns that perform flawlessly. They look phenomenal, and they're just all-around tough that we can put through a lot of abuse. So we're excited to have Dallas on to talk about the ins and the outs of long-range hunting, shooting, caliber selection and um, a couple hunting stories and techniques i hope you guys enjoy and if you like the podcast please feel free to subscribe and follow us on youtube and here it is welcome to the stuck in rut podcast <laughs> got him dropped him Nice shot, buddy. We are excited to bring you our stories and hunting tips to elevate your outdoor adventures and experiences. We aim to uncover the real, raw strategies of do-it-yourself hunting that will bring your dreams to life and generate success. To follow along with our yearly hunts, subscribe to Stuck in the Rut on YouTube. All right, guys, welcome back to the Stuck in the Rep podcast. Adam and I are actually here with Dallas Lane of Lane Precision Rifles today and Travis. So we're super excited to have both of you guys on. Um, for those of you that don't know Dallas, he's the one that has been building our guns recently. So, hey, Dallas, uh, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great, Tana. How about yourself? We are good. So for those of you that don't know you, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with building rifles. Um, a little bit of background is uh, I got started in the custom gun world, world and all of it came about uh, when I basically had had enough with what was uh, kind of being offered. And I figured that I could take it to the next level and wanted to do something that really was something from the heart, you know, um, and what I really love to do. So guns have always been a really, a real passion of mine. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, snowballed more than I could ever have dreamed of from there. And uh, I got a, kind of think not kind of but really thank a lot of my friends and my family for kind of putting the boot in the rear to get me going and pushing me but uh yeah it's it's really good i really enjoy doing it and i kind of want to talk first about how you and travis even got to be best friends and hunt together and stuff so i don't even remember i mean i i think i was too young to even know dallas before you know, you really started hunting with Travis. So, um, Travis, will you tell us a little bit about your first, maybe the first time you met Dallas or the first hunt you went on with him? Yeah, I will. I'll just kind of start at the beginning there, I guess. And, you know, Dallas was just, when you're, 
like a young kid, like a freshman in high school, you always look up to the older crowd. And I don't even know how many years older Dallas is than me. We don't need to say that. But anyway, no. Dallas, he always just kind of took me <laughs> under his wing. And, uh, you know, he'd come and get me after school. And we'd, he'd have the sleds loaded up. And we'd go snowmobiling together. And we'd go coyote hunting together in the winter times. You know, we just we hung out a lot. And it was really good times, really good memories. You know, we talked a lot about just we we both I feel like have similar personalities in the fact that we're we're really picky and we're really particular, whether it's we're building something or we're working on something or it's gear we use. You know, we're kind of always striving to find the best um, quality and things that we can trust. And I remember um, before Dallas started building guns. I always admired how much of a perfectionist he was with his archery, with his bows and stuff. He always had the nicest shooting bows, the best taper tune. And I would get my bow set up, and then I would say, Dallas, tune my bow, you know, because he was way better at it than I was. And I just trusted him in that aspect. And and then uh, when this long-range thing started and um, Dallas and I were both logging, I was kind of building houses and logging, and Dallas was logging. I just remember a conversation of, it's like, Dallas, you love, you absolutely love guns. You're an ace at whatever you do. You're perfectionist. Just, you know, we just kind of had this conversation of, I think I you could that. go big with this. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that you could uh, kind of take this to the next level, like you were saying. And, and he did. So it's been, it's been awesome. And I knew, I knew going into it that, um, when he started building guns that he wasn't going to put out anything unless it was out of the best parts and pieces and superior quality. And so, yeah, that's what I have to say about Dallas. I know he's a perfectionist before he even started building guns and I know he's not going to produce a, a quality, quality product and a little bit more backstory on the hunting. And I kind of mentioned this earlier. I don't know if Dallas <laughs> listen to any of our podcasts or not, but I said in the one of the first podcasts um, that Dallas was kind of a good role model for me because he, uh, he had more experience with calling elk and things like that. And so when we started archery hunting together, um, he taught me a lot of tricks and, and just things that you don't learn without having tons of experience. And uh, so I would say, say a lot of my success over the years has come from bits and pieces of Dallas, he's pretty tight lipped, but when you become <laughs> a, a good friend of his, he'll give you a little bit here and there. <laughs> yep. So we're not going to get Dallas's top hunting secrets today. <laughs> well, I learned yeah, a long even, time ago from yeah. some some old timers that said, "Loose lips sink ships," and Travis is, uh, he's just like me in that aspect where you could stick a hot iron poker up his nose and he's not going to tell you. And that's, (laughs) but I, I, you know, it was, he was, he was one of those, one of those guys that I knew that it was trustworthy enough to say, you know, go do this or try this or, you know, I wouldn't tell anybody else this, but if you did this, I'll bet you, you'd whatever, you know? So. I bet you'll see an L. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and and if you don't, you know, at least you tried, you know. 
but uh no yeah. we had a we had a lot of good times hunting elk <laughs> oh no, I, said, I have one story that just gives gives like dallas's personality i feel like and i don't feel like i'm giving away any big secrets here dallas but if so you can say cut this out <laughs> uh, so I, called, no I called dallas and i'm like dallas i was like i found this ridge as, as a late season rifle hunt i said i found this ridge that i'm jumping bulls on every day i was like i just jumped a big six by seven he was at like 30 yards and jumped up out of the blowdown he was bedded down took off and the next day i jumped another big bull and i was just i was just telling him about these big bulls i was seeing and he's like well why aren't you killing them i'm like you know they're just in nasty stuff in there they take off way before i see them and he's like well if they see you before you see them you're going too fast he's like i've hiked with you i know you're just like got a destination in mind you're going too fast he's just like slow the f down look around and he's like, I don't care if it takes you all day to go half a mile when you're in that sweet spot. Just get up there and walk a little bit, look in the timber, search everything with your eyes. And I'm like, you know, I was just kind of like, well, whatever. That's not going to work. You got to go around to go out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, yeah, yeah. Literally, literally the next day I went up that ridge and I got up to where that, you know, I started to get into the elk sign. Yeah, right about daylight, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give this Dallas guy a little a little try here and see if he really knows what he's talking about. And so I slowed down, and I had I was doing this for maybe 15 minutes tops, and I was just kind of thinking to myself already that I was getting burned out on going so slow, and <laughs> I was kind of taking a few steps and pulling my binos up and scope up because it was just barely breaking light, and I'm I'm looking in my scope and I'm kind of panning the dark timber and I see this big bull bedded there looking at me. And I had like, up until this point had really never walked up on a bedded animal before, you know, we, he had already saw me, but to be that close at like 50 yards. And uh, anyway, his way worked. The bull ended up just jumping up and whirling before I could get a shot off. But the opportunity was, was there so those are little kind of you know lessons that i learned over the year hunting with the guy just an example it's so hard to do it's it's so hard it's it's one of the hardest things to do is to and i and trust me i i've hunted with trav enough to know that you can't keep up with it i mean i'm sorry but oh, yeah. i haven't hunted <laughs> with any with, with anybody that can and and that's good but when you're when you want it, when they're as successful as they are, it's because they listen. It's because they, you know, I'm not saying I'm the best hunter in the world and, you know, I never will claim to be that, but, you know, I was taught by guys that were needing to eat meat and that's what they did to survive, you know, because like my dad, he grew up in the great depression and so on and so forth. And they had to eat and that's what they ate was wild game. And if you missed a shot, you, you didn't eat. And, um, when you can teach somebody that, you know, just slow down a little bit, take your time, you're going to kill some. And I'm glad that he, he, he listened because I remember that day very well because he came back that afternoon and he found me and he said, dude, 
you're never going to believe what happened. <laughs> and and you know, and the rest was the rest was history. He's like, it happened exactly like you said it was going to happen. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know. But it was that was that was that was a pretty good. That was a pretty big turning point in our relationship, I think, too, as as hunting partners, friends, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, and we had talked about in our last episode how. I think it was the last one, maybe the one before that, how hard it is to find a good hunting partner. You know, Adam oh. always says it's it's like harder than finding a spouse. Oh, it is harder. <laughs> so. It is. It, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, travels will vouch for it too. I mean, it's, there's a reason why they, you know, there's a few guys back home that, that called me Dally Lone Wolf because that's, I, I never hunted with people. I just, you know, it was so hard to find and you know Travis is the same way. I mean, but he's got his brothers and you, and Adam now. And uh, but it's so hard to have a person that shares the same values and the same respect for your hunting spots. That it's all oh, it's physically impossible. Yeah, and full disclosure here, Dallas. Not to not to get your ego too pumped up, but I did a little background. I did a little background check on you and. Uh, called some resources and i was like trav dallas dallas makes me feel guilty every time i call him and uh, i've never even met the guy face to face but he wants to go shoot a moose and i don't really like taking people because there's a lot of like we talked dallas a lot of people their mentality changes when the plane lands or when that plane goes away and uh tra- yeah you've been there you've shot a moose and up here and stuff and how big they are and trav's like dallas is one of the best hunters you're ever going to meet and then I think uh, it was either him or Tom or maybe even Tana that just says you got freak, freakish eyeballs that you can just sit there and spot stuff. That uh, and that's that's good coming from Trav because Trav can see really well. So you got a, got a good resume. Eye surgery that that did that. I used to be blind as a bat, just so everyone knows. Just fake, <laughs> fake eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's well. That's that's all I that's all I care about is getting a chance. And if you could just shoot more than 200 yards, we might be able to pull it off. You get me within 200, and it's, it's trouble. Yeah. So let's uh, let's transition to that. Trav, do you want to talk about a little bit about maybe the gun you started with that I own now and then how you kind of got into Dallas's rifles, and we can kind of go down that road? Um, yeah, I think I will. I'll, I'll back up just a little bit before then, too, because we get a lot of people asking us, like, why you guys shoot such big calibers and why don't you shoot a six five creeper or why don't you shoot this or shoot that and again growing up a few years younger than dallas um i mean when i was really young you know and i couldn't handle uh the recoil i would you know start out when i was 12 or whatever shooting a like a 30 30 and then i kind of went to a 30 out six and a seven millimeter and all those calibers when i would shoot an elk the elk would just run off like nothing happened. And I was like, what in the heck? I had a good rest. It was right. I mean, I, you know, it felt good. You usually know if you make a good shot or not. And I'd walk up in there and there'd be very little blood. And I would just be dry tracking this this, uh, non-blood trail. And then I would jump the bull and I'd shoot it again. And it seemed like every elk I shot for like six or seven years in a row, I had to shoot twice. And I was making good double lung shots on them the first time. They just never fell down. And 
I would I started hunting with Dallas and uh, Timmy Fulton, and they were shooting these 338 Ultra Mags. And I just kept hearing these stories of how these animals just fold up when they're hitting stuff and they're shooting these Acubon bullets and this and that. And um, so finally, I tried out a, I bought a used uh, 338 at like a gun show or something. And um, I just love that thing. Animals started falling down. So I was like, well, the 338 Ultra has got to be even better. So this was kind of at this, this was right before Dallas started building guns. We, Dallas and I both got a guy. Um, a more local guy to build us both a, I think I built a 338 Ultra and I think you built a 338 Edge, right, Dallas? Yep, 338 Edge. Yep. Yeah, and so we kind of got into it like before a whole lot of people even knew, really knew at long range, you know, like right when it started. And we were just out, I remember burning like five pounds of powder um, in a very short amount of time together, just like we were just shooting rocks and, you know, shooting across canyons and everything that we can trying to figure out this long range stuff. It was before, even before, you know, all the technology of having the um, rangefinders do all the ballistics for you. And so anyway, that was kind of the start of that. And then I started shooting animals with that bigger caliber. And, um, you know, you shot, I shot a deer in the front one time and they just like did a bat. It literally did like a backflip right over backwards and stuck its horns in the ground. I'm just like, I've found the caliber that I want to shoot <laughs> yeah. for a big yeah. game at least. And, yep. um, so then after that and, and, uh, <clears throat> we shot Gunworks guns for several years, the seven MM and those, they were great guns too. And then when Dallas started building guns, um, I started shooting that 338 Ultra Mag again. I just, I have a hard time getting away from that, the bigger diameter caliber. And, you know, the more that I've, I've, uh, I would say maybe matured in the, the hunting industry and shooting with other people and stuff like that. You know, if you can't, if you can't handle the recoil, not everybody can, or that big boom, you just got to handle as big as you can handle. You know, if it's a, if it's a 300 short yep. mag or whatever it is, you got to do where you're efficient. I'm not saying everybody has to shoot that big caliber, but Dallas and I have always talked. You can't, um, you can't, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You can't like trade for the diameter of the bullet, like the bigger diameter yeah, of the bullet. It just seems to make a better, better hole in the animal, better blood, better knockdown power. Right, Dallas? Yeah, they're that, uh, I mean, the statement holds true in all aspects. You can't, you can't, there's no replacement for displacement. And, and I'm telling you what, I shot, uh, (laughs) I've shot everything from a 243 to a 416 Rigby. And the 338 Ultra Mag is by far my favorite across the course over the you know everything from ground squirrels to obviously big bears for you guys um <laughs> it's just i don't know it's just it's just what you, whatever i mean obviously you know the the proof is in the pudding you can you can shoot them anywhere and it just it it poleaxes them i mean it just you know there's just something about that big that big heavy bullet going that fast it's just it's stupid i mean <laughs> there's yeah you, you can't explain it yeah and i think what i think what trav's trying to say too you want to we can all i mean tana can handle the gun 
very well um yeah for a woman and stuff but you don't want to shoot something you're necessarily afraid of because bottom line no. you'd rather be a good shot of the 243 than hit him in the guts of the 338 but let's Correct. face it we all we all have some wind drift or um i don't know if anyone else is like me but i just kind of lose it and kind of black out uh, in the moment and uh if you guys have ever seen any of my videos and so sometimes sometimes i pull it a little bit you know and so if you make a less than ideal shot um that's where it saved me before you know or if would have had a smaller caliber or been a little less or undergunned to that situation or the wind or something we might not have found that animal right yeah no i i want to second that and say you know, sometimes we get comments like, oh, that I would have never taken that shot or this or that. And I think we know we know our calibers. We know our guns. We know what they're capable of. And shooting a bigger caliber has allowed us, um, you know, to just bluntly say, like, take not the best shots. Like, sometimes you'll hunt 30 days and you get one opportunity. And that opportunity might not be perfectly broadside at 50 yards. It might be a running elk you know away from you or quartering away from you and it's the difference of coming home with meat or coming home with a tag that's not filled and i i mean i can think of like seven or eight hunts off the top of my head if i wouldn't have pulled that trigger on that semi-crazy moment where most people wouldn't have pulled the trigger i wouldn't have came home with success and with meat you know what i mean and yep. I would have taken those shots with a small caliber. There's no way because I know that that's just going to end up in a blood trail and not necessarily recovering the animal. I'm with you on that one. It's it's a it's like you say it's a it's a confidence thing, and if you're confident in a in a 25 out six, then be confident in it. But um, you know, I'm with you. We grew up. Uh, we we kind of have. Uh, like I tell people, you know, since I moved down here, there, our elk and deer are different, and and how we hunt them is different where I'm from, and and <laughs> they're bigger boned, they're heavier mass, they're everything about them is just in. And honestly, I've killed elk down here. I've killed elk in, in a lot of different states, and they're, our elk are just different. They're bigger, they're they're hardier, um, and you and you learn real quick. Like you're saying, Travis is like, you know if you hunt for you know all season to get that one shot opportunity and it's going to be probably in the brush and it's going to be a quick i got to shoot now it's a bull kill it you know and yeah nine times out of ten it's not broadside it's not on a wide open hillside and it's not chewing its cud like you know whatever it's you know it's fight or flight for both <laughs> situations for both you know, it's so you've got to you've got to have a, a gun big enough for that application, and I, you know, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. You know, you 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 sometimes you got to shoot them from stern to stand. You know, it's just that's just the way it is. Right up the yeah. butt. Yeah, and, and I yeah, think, I mean, I think it's easy. <laughs> I think it's other people easy for other people to judge like some of that, but at the same time, I guess. You know, I think a lot of people don't know the background of we probably come to, from one of the thickest places, I would venture to say, in you know, the lower 48, like it is it's, thick. It's, and it's alders and blowdown and 
you know, we've, we've, Dallas and I bugled bull elk in before at 10 yards and you'll see a flash of a horn. That's all you see. I mean, the elk is 10 yep. yards away. You can hear him breathing. Like that's how thick yep. it is in some places. And so it's not an understatement when sometimes you, you're trying to visually see, okay, where's the kill zone to that elk? I can see his head. I can see his horns. I know it's a bull. I know it's a legal animal. And you got to visualize where those lungs are at, it, but you can't see them. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that thick brush, you know, what made, I guess, Dallas, what made you want to transition to the long range when you started out, you know, archery hunting, doing a lot of thick brush hunting? What made you transition to wanting to just shoot long ranges? Was there a was there a turning point or was it just kind of transforming through the years? It was um I would have to say that uh the turning point for me was was I I kind of progressed into uh I how do you say it it's it's more my brain evolved towards okay the elk can't always live in this hellhole so you know what i mean so it's like we have to think outside the box here just a little bit because this is ridiculous you know when when you go from hunting areas where you can walk on brush for 40 yards and not touch the ground to okay where do these elk eat and travel to and from you know that's and and i started putting two and two together and 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 simply the fact of the matter is when i was growing up younger i always thought in the back of my brain was like i had several opportunities at you know there it was probably only five four or five hundred yards in a you know in one clear section of a hillside some of the biggest bulls i've ever seen in my life were just out of my comfort range so as i got older and started thinking back on all those times i'm like you know what it'd be pretty sweet to be able to shoot that far and find these elk and deer where they eat and you know travel to and from their their in their main corridor and you know it just it just progressed from there and and I started doing a lot of research um, on optics and and ballistics and so on and so forth. And it was just a ever, you know, it was a snowball from there, you know? Yeah. I want to add to that. And I think I can speak for both of us here that it was kind of like, it was a new challenge at the time. Dallas and I were really in archery. And um, if I remember right, we went like, you know, five consecutive years in a row where we were killing nice bulls with our bows. And so we, I feel like we both felt like, okay, we kind of um, like reached our goal here where we're consistently killing bulls with a bow every year. You know, before that we can consistently kill bulls with a rifle. And now here's this new challenge of learning how to use the weapon differently and, and learning how to, hunt a little bit differently because like Dallas said you're not necessarily in the timber with them you're trying to figure out where they're going or feeding or watering and you're like sitting in a spot waiting for them to travel through that little opening it was just a different style of hunting that was just really appealing to me and I think Dallas at the same time 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to agree with that too. Is uh, um, there was it opened up a lot of doors to uh, what we had already so you know so to speak accomplished in especially where we're from. I guess I guess people just don't <laughs> people. Uh, I will I will say this: people have no idea. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's true. And uh, you know, for us to make that transition from from being successful with archery gear and to to accept a new challenge, you know, it also opened up more challenges because and and better opportunities because of that. Yeah, I love that because. I love having the option, you know, you mentioned that opening up new doors, you know, I'll take my bow and the 338. And so I could shoot anything from five to 800 yards. And there's, you know, it's nice having the option (laughs) that nothing's going to hold you back if you have that animal in front of you. I was going to say, I like, I like how we practice, you know, you get your load all dialed up and everything. And then I didn't get the elk. It was one of those quick shots, uh, still in the brushy country but I think I stepped it off to seven yards. It was a spike on one side and a seven or eight point bowl on the other side. And he came down and I was just kind of stuck. And, you know, it's crazy. You shoot this long distance. and I know you've had those shots, Dallas, and all of a sudden you kill something at 20 yards with your thousand yard gun. You're like, well, that was kind of worthless, but you killed it. So there we go. I'll take it. Yeah, it happens more than, more than, you know, I mean, it just, it's, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, one of my biggest Idaho bulls was that same scenario, but not seven seven yards. But you know, it was a pretty a pretty uh, I wouldn't say a chip shot, but a pretty pretty easy three hundred yard shot when we've been practicing for months. You know, with our long range canyon guns at you know thousand fifteen hundred yards and no problem. And I shoot this bull that you know what happened to be my biggest Idaho bull at three hundred yards. You know, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it comes full circle, you know? Yeah. Super nice. Was that, the, was that the bowl? Was that the bowl with me? Yeah. I, I think, think it, oh, I think we just have to, I think we have to tell that story. It's too good a one. Do we have to tell that story? Do we have to tell that story? I got to say, what? So I oh, go ahead. Story. So anyway, um, I'm going to try and make it short. So we decided Dallas was going to be first shooter of this herd that we had scouted out and we drew this special tag and opening day. Um, we had spike camp back there. We, we played our cards, right? We were in front of the herd before it was getting daylight. We could hear them bugling and we had patterned them three days before that. We kind of knew what they were going to do, or we were hoping we knew what they were going to do. But they did exactly what we thought, and they were coming right at us. And we had glassed them, so we knew which elk were in there. We kind of had some of the bulls memorized, the bigger ones. And yeah, there was two giants. There was two big bulls in there. And, and Dallas is as trigger-happy as anybody. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, like he said, he, he was raised hunting with the older generation where you put the meat on the ground, and you just do whatever it takes. You just, you just take the first opportunity you get and you get some meat on the ground. And, um, I think at this time I had shot a pretty nice bull and Dallas hadn't, but he had told me lots of stories of where 
he shot, you know, a raghorn or something and the big bull took off running the back of the line or something. So anyway, these are playing in my head as I've got my gun just sitting on the ground because Dallas was the first shooter and I'm kind of glassing for him. And these bulls in this herd of maybe two or 300 start coming up to us. And like Dallas said, they're about 300 yards kind of filing through the timber. And uh, Dallas looks at me and goes, there's a six point. I'm going to take him. I'm like, Dallas, don't <laughs> shoot that bull. We know that big, that big bull is at the back of the line. Don't shoot it. He's like, I mean, it was just killing him. Like I just saw the look in his face. He's just like, ah, you got to be kidding me. He was just <laughs> wanted to pull the trigger. And then here, here comes the line of another one. And this happened like two or three times. Like, oh, there, there's a, there he is. There's a nice six point. I'm going to shoot him. Like, Dallas, don't pull the trigger. And pretty soon, here comes the big masher at the back of the line. And and he's like, oh, there he is. I'm like, yeah, that's the one. And just before I even said, yeah, he was like, he had three shots off before I could hear, before I could say, yeah, he, that that bull didn't have a chance. But anyway, it was pretty too. funny. <laughs> so that gives you a backstory of Dallas. He's he's a killer. Yeah. He's not gonna wait around. I don't sure. I don't play. Homie don't play that. That's that's my kin right there. I was gonna I was gonna say uh Travis told me also Dallas and you can touch a little bit on this about um hunting tactics and how it changed if you go from you know, we all had the, the two hundred yard rifle and we'd do the Kentucky windage and hold over on stuff and then once you have a long range gun and you're confident, your hunting style kind of changes and it does for us and um at least up here for moose and bear spots where like where we moose hunt, it's really not conducive to archery. It's just tons and tons of alders and all of our shots have been um like the closest one's been three fifty or three sixty out to seven I think six, seven hundred. Um, so touch a little bit about that. Cause Trav told me one time, he's like, Dallas is smart. He won't even leave the pickup till he sees something he wants to kill. And I'm like, that's pretty smart, you know, save your energy and then, and then go kill it. And I've been called lazy before. Cause I tell people, all I do is sit and I just wait. And when I see something, I'm going to go get, and they're like, Oh, we hike 20 miles a day. I'm like, well, I don't. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I can touch on, I can go on and on about that, especially with Trav and his brothers. And, yeah. <laughs> and, but no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't always hunt like that and I never have always hunted like that, but it's like, there's no sense in exerting more energy to basically walk yourself into the dirt to try to find an elk when I can find an elk and then exert the energy or, you know, you can, you can cut, you know, in our country, there's, there's lots of logging roads. There's lots of, you know, so on and so forth that I know about and Travis knows about that you can cover so much ground and do it kind of unknowing to everything around you to where you're not burning energy, trying to find those elk when they're not there. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like you with your moose. It's like you go there knowing that I have to sit right here until I find something because there's no sense in me walking two and a half miles that way. I can already see over there. You know what I mean? And, and <laughs> it's, it's funny because, you know, when me and Travis first started really, really digging deep, you know, when he was out of high school and, and, and hunting together, he was 
you know, he was the, the, he was the fuel to the fire. Let's just put it that way. Like we need to go, just go. I don't even care where we're going. We just need to go. And I'm just like, okay, whoa, you know, pump your brakes a little bit. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's think about this situation because I can see everything from right here. You know what I mean? I can hear everything from right here. <laughs> we don't, we don't need to hike over there because there's nothing over there. And, yep. and so that's, you know, that's, and that's, that's the way that I've, I've hunted a lot and, and it works out really, really good. And, uh, and, you know, people can say what they want, but, you know, smart hunters are successful hunters and, you know, you can be, you can be the greatest athlete on face of earth, but if you don't have the mind strength or the willingness to just be patient, you ain't going to kill nothing. So you yep. mean I just killed myself when I would hike with Travis for all those years? <laughs> like, yeah. so why are we still going? <laughs> I I hate to break it to you, Tana, but you're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, and you still have to rein Travis in a little bit, you know. Even on the bear, yep. he's like, we just we just need to go. I'm like, no, we got to keep our scent down, and he's still gonna still Love gonna you, do Trav. that. <laughs> yep, that's Trav. That's just Trav, you know. That's. And that's, and that, you know, that kind of brings up another, just a, a short little topic of, of having a good hunting partner that, you know, having two of the same is never good where, you know, you kind of got to have apples and oranges, you know, you got to, so you can have both perspectives of, okay, we need to cover ground a lot today versus tomorrow. We're just going to sit right here. You know what I mean? And that kind of, it's it's really beneficial if you can find somebody that you can hunt with that's like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I would I would agree, and i I feel like I feel like I've always been a hard hunter. Like I was willing to put the effort in, but I wasn't a smart hunter until I started um, really hunting with Dallas and learning some of his ways. And and I know when he was younger, he was he was the same. I mean, he was I was yeah the hard hunter, but he got smarter as he got older. And having that little bit of extra couple years on me and that knowledge helped simmer me down a little bit. And, you know, I'd say that definitely the success um, grew with hunting smarter instead of harder and harder and harder. But I have, I have killed a lot of animals saying, I'm just going to go see what's over that next ridge. Yeah. And it might yep. take five or six of those ridges and then there's one, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> I probably, I'm, I'm, I might've got one if I just would have sat on the first ridge too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's and that's just all in our blood too just to see what's over the next ridge you know just yeah. out of just out of yeah. pure just out of pure curiosity you know it's just it's like oh, i wonder what i wonder what if there's a big wall or something down in that hole you know usually nine times out of ten you get down there and it's just a wicker basket and you can't see your foot and you're like well that sucks <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i've been in, in <laughs> Yeah, so I've been on a few of those with Trav. Another great saying that Dallas always says is, you know, when I took him on a couple of those long, drawn-out hikes for nothing, he, we'd get back, and he's like, well, glad I took my bow for a walk today. And just like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, we took, took the bow for some exercise. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, uh, there was a couple where we, we usually – there was a, a really good spot that uh, – we used to bow hunt a lot and there was a couple that were every time, every time we'd go clear to the bottom of these just dark, nasty, crappy, vertical alder 
thicket, you know what holes, and <laughs> we'd get down there and <laughs> I, I, I'd look at Travis and go, well, they did it to us again. And we'd turn around and go back all the way back to the top. And, uh, just like, oh, it's freaking elk, man, I'm telling you. So I have to ask Dallas, how far out are you comfortably shooting yardage-wise? Um, I guess, you know. On an animal tough. or a target? Uh, yeah, still, it's, it's, that's a tough one. Under, under extremely perfect <laughs> conditions, which are hard to come by, um, you know, and depending on which rifle I'm shooting, uh, you know, it can be upwards of, of as much as I shoot probably, and I'm shooting my big gun probably 15, 1600 yards. But given the fact that nine times out of 10, like me and Travis have always talked, like there's a magic there's a magic almost given 100% area between like 500 and 750 yards. You know what I mean? Like in nine times out of 10, you can get in that magic zone. You know, yeah. I like to call it, you know, like the, like the death zone. It's like everything just works so much better in that range. You know what I mean? Like, um, and you can even have, you know, 10, 15 mile an hour wind and still just be super, super confident. But, you know, to answer your question, honestly, you know, with my, with most of my hunting guns, uh, under perfect conditions, you know, seven, eight to a thousand, you know, with my hunting weight rifle. And if I have my big gun, you know, out to, you know, 1500, but you know, when I say big gun, I mean, my shy tack. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, you know, like a six, five Creedmoor or something like that, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <that's true>. okay. <laughs> and everybody's different. You know, if I can get closer and increase my odds of hitting, I'll do that any day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I want to say this too. I know we always, when we were like first starting, we were really looking at the range cards and ballistic charts and stuff like that. You know, I always tell people, kind of a general rule of thumb is between like you said that magic 750 or 800 yards and under um you got pretty good odds but between 800 yards and a thousand yards the um air doubles like right say say that your say that your trajectory or your bullet drop um dr your bullet drops 10 feet to 800 yards if it drops 10 feet to 800 yards it's going to drop almost 20 feet or over 20 feet at a thousand yards same with the wind right. you know so uh, your chance of missing pretty much doubles in my mind between 800 and a thousand yards so i like you said dallas i mean if you have if that's the only shot you have and conditions are perfect and you know your rifle then that's that's everybody's personal call but if you have the option of getting closer into that death zone of that five to 800 yards, no matter what gun you have, you know, do it, get, get a right. hundred yards if you can, you know what I mean? Right. And, you don't and, watch a, and a animal lot, you're after walk away. Right. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is, and don't take into account is the fact that that bullet is not flat. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're looking at a deer, like say, okay, so you're looking at a deer at 1,100 yards, right? And it's a, say it's a 200-inch mule deer buck on a hillside, a steep hillside. Well, your bullet's coming in from a 30-foot trajectory drop, okay? 
So instead of that deer being 20 some odd inches deep, now that bullet's coming in at an angle from 20 feet above it. You understand? Are you yep. tracking? Yeah. So now that target is basically standing on end and it's thinner. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Dude, I've so, never thought about yeah. that. <laughs> so, and, you know, because the further you shoot, that bigger that arc and that bullet's actually coming down on the target. So the target gets thinner. You know what I mean? It's not coming into it flat. So you're not actually shooting at that deep of a target. You're actually shooting at a thinner, taller target, if that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. You're, you're like Travis is saying, it only takes a, you know, a half a minute difference or a quarter of a minute difference one way or the other to shoot over them or under them. And everybody kind of wonders why it's because that bullet isn't just a laser beam. It's got a huge arc, and the slower that bullet is, the bigger the arc. I was just like, I have never thought about that, but I'm thinking about it, drawing the picture in my head. I was like, wow, but I don't know if I'm just a bad hunter. I always get pretty close. My zone is like 350 to 550 that I usually can get into, Um, and my furthest is that moose at 600, and that was a bad shot, but I found it, and that was um, another good reason to use a big – a big caliber, but Dallas, can you talk a little bit about how much you practice and uh, kind of go into your hunting rifle setup as far as what you use? I mean, because you have all the options, you know? As far as what you uh, use, I mean, because you have all the options, you know? I Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, uh, to me in my world, the options are endless. And um, my, my rifles are, I shoot exactly, you know, I mean, I basically shoot the same setup minus the controlled round feed that Travis does. Um, I shoot uh, I shoot a carbon 338 rum. Um, last year, I actually was toting around a, uh, a short-barreled uh, 30 nozzle with my suppressor on it, but you know that's that was just a a toy. But uh, you know when when the chips are down, um, I shoot you know basically the same setup. You know I like to keep uh, I like to keep my rifles, um, for an all around the course, not a special rifle, but, uh, right in that nine, nine and a half pound range, 10 pound range. Um, I like my night force optics. Uh, but, and I just, you know, I love those big bullets. They do just, they're magic and it, it just can't be beat. So it's nothing special. Um, it's beat on uh accuracy you know over overlooks any day but uh i've 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 come to oh i've come to really i've come full circle on a lot of things um and i've been really <clears throat> i really actually really enjoyed shooting uh my my hunting rifles suppressed um and that's that's actually going to be a game changer um, for myself, the people I hunt with, and you know my kids, as well as you know my friends, because it's it's that, you know having that that suppression of that giant blast of those big guns is just crazy. So my uh, my hunting setup this year will be uh, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Um, and so I can run my suppressors a little bit more. Nice. Yeah, yeah I just bought the Thunder Beast today, actually. And uh, 
won't have it for this yeah. this fall. But uh, I was sold after talking to you, and you said it's a it's a no brainer. And then watching some YouTube videos, one after another, out of those guns, um, reading the decibels after like a three thirty eight, you know, improved Lapua, and uh, pushing a right a ton of powder, and uh, well, it just sounded like a two forty three going off. No big deal. And, and here's a, another uh, really another really good uh, and something that I noticed um, is especially like okay so you're you know you fly into your spots and it's you know it's remote wilderness but those animals ain't dumb and uh, when they hear you know they can hear that shot and they can put two and two together that that's not normal or that suppressor it will give you that advantage of you know, A, if you somehow seem to miss, you can get it faster because they don't know what's going on because it's not it's not that huge blast, you know. So um as far as, as hunting goes, it's a it's a benefit because of you can you, you won't blow an area out, so to speak. Yeah. Um with that, you know, with them big boomers. Yeah, yeah especially being that's there. What's what was that? I was just going to ask, does it slow your bullet down or what's the effect or is there any negative thing that comes from the, the suppressor? The only effect you'll see is the the uh, point of aim shift. Okay. So so your zero will be different. Gotcha. But yeah, like we, you know, like we talked about the other day, <clears throat> once, once you shoot a suppressed rifle and, and especially people like, you know, we're guys, we're hard-headed, we'll shoot whatever, it doesn't matter, but, and, and just deal with the consequences, but like Tana, you know, uh, women, you know, they're more sensitive to that loud concussion and boom and so on and so forth, and it's, I mean, I would love to see a look on her face when she shoots it for the first time, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, it's like, are you serious, you know, after, after all the years that you've, you've shot, you know, your your brother's guns and your guns and it's just like boom you know everything's taking a whack at it and all of a sudden it's just you're like uh what, what? just happened yeah. <laughs> i honestly don't even notice it anymore like people are like does your gun kick is it super loud i'm like i don't know i even forget earplugs because she's it's killing not good she's but, killing big stuff yeah. you know, real <laughs> if she's too busy she's too busy killing big stuff you know, since you're the long range guy, you know, I'm really excited about the suppressor too, but can you walk us through where somebody would start if they wanted to get into long range, like what steps they should take? Actually, I want to take this one. I'll take this you one. You can. Now. Go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah, you can. <laughs> so I get this, I get asked this a lot and my response is i just tell them my first story and this is exactly what i did and this is the reason why i use dallas today is my first gun i didn't have the money to go all out and get the best of equipment and so i had a remington in my safe and i said okay i have a remington action i want to save the money there i want to put a a uh, you know i think we put a heart barrel on at a time i want to do the trigger got a new stock. I bought a cheaper scope. We, I did all this. This was before Dallas, different guy. And it wasn't the guy's fault. He was trying to tell me, you know, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. And I was just stuck in my way. Like, no, I can't afford that. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. Well, let me tell you, I fought that gun 
so hard. Yes, I mean, I'm you surprised did. I didn't get discouraged right there. But I fought every part on that gun. I fought the my scope was tracking like crazy and he put a different barrel on it. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Anyway, long story short, ended up costing me a couple thousand dollars more than it should have because of all the burnt powder and bullets and barrels and things we threw at it trying to get it fixed to where I was just like, you know what, if I ever build another one, I'm just going with whatever. When Dallas started building it, I was just like, or when he started building guns, they said, I want, you to put the parts on my gun, what you would put on your gun, because I trust you and I know you're going to use the best parts. And it's like, I don't even, I don't even have a say. I mean, he would let me, but, and I don't even want to have a say. I just say, you use whatever action you would use. You use whatever trigger you would use, you know? And so I feel like it's a mistake when people come into a gun builder and they're like, I want this, 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 and this, you know, the gun builder, those guys have built hundreds of guns. They've shot hundreds of guns. They know what works. Just trust them and let them, let them go with it. That's my opinion. And and if you can't afford it, uh, then I would suggest save another year, put, put another couple hundred dollars away every month or whatever you can do until you can afford good quality stuff and the technology to go along with it. So you can be, you know, efficient and not fight it and not wound animals. That's my two cents. Dallas, do you have anything other than that or disagree or agree with uh, that? No, I mean, you know, the, 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 the gun world, the rifle world, especially in the long range game has, has, I mean, absolutely blown up. Um, and Travis hits every single point on the head when, somebody wants to get into shooting long range because if you're if you're going to do it do it right and don't fight it you know don't because i was there with travis and i i seen the 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 look in his eye he wanted to throw the gun and beat it against a tree and it just isn't worth it and and i get asked this every single day what would you do you know hey my name is so and so I'm looking at doing this, 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 and this. What would you do? And I tell them, you know, exactly what I would do and how I would build it and why I would build it that way. And it, and, and it, that's usually how the story ends. And they're like, sold. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's my good. job. That's my job. You know, that's, that's, you're paying me for my, my experiences, my, my customers' experiences, which they relay to me. Um, you know, and it's what I do for a living. Um, I shoot a lot, probably, you know, I shoot a lot more than most people ever shoot in their lifetime in a year. And, you know, I shoot different bullets. I shoot different cartridges. I shoot different optics. I, you know, I test different barrels and so on and so forth. And, you know, if you're going to get into, you know, this game, um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of, okay so so factory stuff out there but it's you know it's it's like rolling dice you know it's you can get a good one you can get a bad one um if you can like travis said just just save your pennies and and uh get what you want the first time and you'll be you'll be money ahead that's for sure well i know i know i can think of like four or five people off the top of my head that um 
I feel like we kind of inspired. We were doing this long range thing. We were killing animals and they're like, Oh man, I, I want to do that. But yeah, I can't, I can't do that all the way. So I'm going to do this or cheap out on that. And they would do it. They would hunt with it. They would wound animals and they would get discouraged, lose their confidence with pulling the trigger and, you know, go back to their old standard brush rifle. And so, yeah, I just, I just think it's worth, if you're going to do it, just save your money and do it right. Um, that's yep. my opinion all the way. I mean, I just know, I don't know everybody that buys Dallas's guns. But I know maybe 10 people and all those 10 people, once they buy one and start, you know, start shooting them, like it's just, you just got to save more pennies because you're going to want another one. You're going to want a different one. <laughs> yep. Most of the guys I know that shoot Dallas's guns end up having two, three, five, six. I mean, that just gets uh, addicting. And then when you go to shoot a factory gun after using one, it's like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Like even in the brush. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have that gun and they're going to love it and they're going to find success with it. And just like you said, you get a regular stock rifle and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. So I say go custom all the way. Like literally if you're going to, if you're going to buy one and it comes all, you know, dialed in and, and trust me, you want Dallas to tune it because I like, I mean, I shoot guns and I like to kill stuff, but I'm not a tuning guy. I've never enjoyed doing that. So Dallas does that and he's good at it. And when I get it, the thing shoots. So anyway, you go out and you shoot this thing, however many times you need to, to get proficient with it. And then it like, you know, 50 rounds will last our family like two years. I mean, it just gets, this one gun gets transferred around to me and Tom and Trevor and whoever is going on a hunt and just killing stuff with it. And those, these guns are going to last one person literally a lifetime. So yes, it's a big investment up front. Oh yeah. But this gun is going to last you the rest of your life. If you take care of it, you know, and, um, and then they hold their value really well as well. So it's just, yeah, it's a big upfront cost. It's hard to bite that bullet off. But just if if it's something you want to get into, just save your money and get something that you can trust. And, I mean, I'll give you an example, too. I was recently talking to Dallas about building a lighter weight wolf gun um, because these big canyon cannons are blowing too big of holes in the wolf hides. And um, I, I'm not going to mention any names to downplay any names. But I was like, I'm thinking about this scope or this scope. And he texts me back, and he's just like, honestly he's just like i know how you guys use your stuff just throw a night force on there and so it just gives you a an idea of dallas he's like just don't even mess around with it if there's a possibility that you're gonna fight it just put something that you know you're gonna trust on there and i'm and i totally respect that it's like okay i know i'm gonna have to pack around a couple more ounces but i know it's worth it and there's one more thing i wanted to say this was kind of a back a few conversations but when dallas was talking about he likes this eight or nine, 10 pound gun for hunting. Um, you know, some, some people are going to hear that and think, Oh, that sounds heavy. Like I'm not interested. Well, the reason for that is, I mean, he's tested all this stuff. Like he's built super lightweight, cheap guns. He's built heavy guns. Uh, Me and my buddies have shot these light guns all the way to heavy guns. And I feel like I'm a hundred percent with him when, when you have around that nine, nine pound gun give or take a couple i can put like a a kid on it i can put my wife on it 
I can put anybody on that gun and they can hold it steady and they can hit the plate out at 800 yards, you know, once that gun's dialed in. And you go take a six pound gun out there and you lay those same people down on that gun to hit that 800 yard plate. There might be literally four out of 10 people that hit that plate. And it's that little bit of extra weight of that stability and that consistency of having that little heavier gun. Oh, why I think he said that. Is that, is that that's right, exactly, Dallas? That's exactly yeah. why it's, it's, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's just, you know, of course it's not a timber gun. You know, I would build a totally different gun if all I did was hunt timber, but I'm just saying across the board for everybody to shoot, that's about the perfect weight for accuracy. And like you said, if you build them a, you know, a six and a half pound gun, four out of 10 are going to actually hit what they're aiming at. And those four out of 10 probably won't want to shoot it again, you know, or if they do the next four or five shots aren't even anywhere close because they're flinching. And it, and, and I've seen that in, in even smaller cartridges, you know, seven mags, six, five, you know, you know, it just, it just doesn't, it's just not conducive to extreme accuracy over the broad spectrum of all of the places that we hunt. Yeah, absolutely. And at Dallas has showed me, I mean, I had already been doing this long range stuff for like four or five years and him and I were shooting together just a couple of years ago. And, um, he was showing me how, you know, I was maybe tweaking the gun a little bit when I was, when I was like pulling it back into my shoulder and showing me how to pull even pressure and doing the same thing every time. And I think, I, I think that's kind of a, a big deal too. Like you don't even think, I never thought about it. Um, but it's important to have that consistency, just like shooting a bow and arrow. And those are the things that you learn, like the same anchor point and, you know, pulling it back the same way and not tweaking it. And that stuff just intensifies the lighter the gun is. You can get away with a lot more with a heavier yep. gun and still hit. Yep. That's a fact. That's all I wanted to say on that. I was going to ask uh, a couple things on the on the tweaking of the rifle. Say a guy calls you up, Dallas, and talks to you about calibers and says, okay, I'm going to be high country, Colorado mule deer, and then I hunt Nevada or Arizona a little bit too for some elk. And you guys figure out a caliber and figure out what he wants. Once he gets the gun, are you helping him develop a load? Do you get all that tuned up and send him rounds, or what's the what's the standard for that usually? Um, 99.99% of the time, I do all of that for them. Um, that way, you know, let's face it, we're all shooters, or we're all hunters, sorry, and we want to go hunting. And, and I get it, you know. Like Travis, he all, all he wants to do is go practice and kill and go on. He doesn't want to, you know, figure out if 5,000 deeper, 5,000 shorter works better. He doesn't care about that. He wants to go hunting. So when my customers, you know, buy a rifle, a custom rifle, um, all of that's done. So when they get it, they can, you know, load to that spec or have somebody load to that spec. You know, there's, there's a couple companies out there that are really good at doing that and just go shoot, you know? And if they have any questions, of course, I'm always here. You know, it's, it's the gun, the gun sale never stops once you receive the gun. I mean, it's, you know, it's got my name on it and your, my phone is always open to my customers because, you know, I built it and 
if anybody knows best about what the gun is doing or what it's not doing, it's me. And uh, yeah, when you, you when you get a gun from me, it's it's either driving tax or it doesn't leave my shop. Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of backtracking a little bit to the wolf gun that Travis had mentioned. What would Uh-oh. you suggest for that? Like a good predator gun. <laughs> think about it. Uh, I'm just thinking about my next build that I want from you, Dallas. That's a loaded. That's a loaded question, Tana. Because <laughs> here's here's the thing with with how well I know your family is. <laughs> it's not just going to be a predator gun. <laughs> it's going to be. This thing is awesome. It's light. It's small. It's easy to pack. I'm going to take it elk hunting. So, uh, it's 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 one of those things that you kind of like when when we're when me and Travis were going around the Utah Expo talking about guns and just hanging out because we haven't been around each other for very for a long time and. Uh, that's you know that's kind of the thing it's like you do i you know i think i do remember telling travis looking him in the eye and saying you're not just going to shoot wolves with this i know you're not and he just laughed you know and it's just like this is not just a, you know this is not just going to be a strictly predator gun um so you know with that in mind you know wolves and honest to god wolf, a wolf is not a coyote and you know they're they're big and if honestly if i was to say tana let's build you a wolf gun it would probably be a uh you know a bigger seven or a 30 i mean just let's face it you know there's other things up there that are more conducive to getting you than a wolf you know what i mean and and uh i just there you just can't kill them dead enough you know um yeah. I see, I see a lot of guys, a lot of guys, you know, hunting with, you know, the smaller six fives and, and, uh, me and Travis have had an experience with a six five before. And wait, I need to hear this. Cause I was going to ask you about six fives and what your opinion is. Well, I, <laughs> I was I like, Dallas, no, we're not getting one. Dallas, <laughs> uh, what's your opinion on a six five and what's your experience? You know, my experience, <laughs> I, <laughs> I come from a pretty biased background. Let's just let's just start the whole conversation like that because you all of you know me too well that I love big cartridges and and I uh, me and Travis shot a bear and uh, it, it worked but uh, it you know it, it worked but it was it was like uh, a couple more hundred yards and I don't think I would have been shooting at it you know what I mean so. Um, for me that you know the six fives are are okay and and of course you're gonna get you're gonna get tons of people that are like oh well i shot the dickens out of a bullet 900 yards of my six five suite or whatever and yep. and that's okay you know it's that's okay you know that we live in a world now that we can shoot whatever we want and it's teach their own um but it like you know this kind of goes back to exactly what travis was saying it's like you know, let's let's use the right tool for the job, and if and and if you can handle a 300 win mag, shoot it. Whether it's a coyote or a wolf or a grizzly bear, or a, you know, whatever. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a 6.5. Um, I have one. You know, I shoot I shoot 
my 6.5 saw more more than any rifle I own, but I don't hunt with it. Um, I shoot it to keep you know trigger skills up, you know all that stuff in 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 check for when I when I do break out my actual hunting rifles. Um, but you know, like I said before, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to be like, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and blah blah blah. But you know, in in all honesty, they'll kill. You know, their bullet. They're gonna they're gonna kill it. But I want it dead right now. I want when I pull that trigger, I want dead. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, did I hit it? I can't. Did, did I, and I don't want to have <laughs> yeah. to look at my my. Yeah. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to turn around and look at Travis like. Did I hit it? And he gave me the shrug of the shoulders, like shit. I don't know. You know, I don't want that. You know, I want I want a, a positive impact. And 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 so, you know, you ask about my take on the six five, and and they have their place. But in my in my hunting repertoire, they don't belong. But that's yeah, not you know. But that's I, not to say I that agree. I don't build a lot of them. You know, I build a ton of six five PRCs, uh, six five psalms uh so on and so forth guys love them you know and they kill stuff with them but that's just for me and and the people the group that i know closest to me like you guys um they're not our they're not what we need yeah not the go-to gun anyway no no i mean honestly after shooting a 338 for so long and seeing how that performs i don't really want to shoot anything else it's just deadly <laughs> well i think i think You're... to answer your question tana where you you asked you know what gun we'd build for predators well dallas and i we've been doing this for like a year going back and forth on what kind of a gun we should build for wolves and and you know he said it well let's build something that you can take in the brush and go elk hunting with and something that, you know you can hunt deer or take on a sheep hunt and you want something lightweight and so we decided to build a 300 short mag. Yes, that's probably still overkill and still going to blow a decent size hole in a wolf, but um, it's I still like that bigger caliber of a 30 caliber or bigger for elk. And people ask me that, like, what what caliber would you shoot? And my answer to them is a 30 caliber or bigger for elk. And that's just my opinion. That's just off of the amount of bulls that I've killed from the smaller guns to the bigger ones, and that's what I see work with them. And like Dal said, you know, I get it all the time. Well, I've killed so many bulls with my seven MM or my two seventy and and I and that's okay. I know that. But how many bulls have got away? How many bulls have walked away like, oh I don't know if I hit that one or not. Yeah. I mean, Although I'm never talking about every everybody can have um one great experience, but I wanna know twenty lined up, ten or twenty stories of, you know, for sure dead or i don't know there was like three of them that i shot at that walked away that i i couldn't find any blood i didn't know if i hit it or didn't hit it you know and that's that's why we're a fan of those bigger calibers it's not because um we're stuck up it's because we've actually it's not a masculinity thing either yeah we've watched these animals walk away we've watched animals get hit where it's like you just hit that thing right through the lungs and it didn't even look like you hit it and it took off running and a lot of times with a smaller caliber you get just a pinhole entry and no exit and so then you have no blood trail at the same time 
And so anyway, I mean, I can go on and on about that, but that's, that's why we feel the way we do is because we've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Um, Dallas, I got another question about just technique and you're saying, I mean, I don't shoot enough to have the good trigger skills and stuff like that. Trav and I have talked about, I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but put on a shooting school um, and working on fundamentals with people. Cause I mean, that, that's hard to teach over the phone. If you get a guy that um, buys a rifle, you work up a load and stuff, but you can't, you can't be there holding his hand, teaching him how to shoot. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And give us the, maybe the top mistake people are making when they're, when they're trying to shoot consistently that you see. Oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially, well, and especially, you know, you're getting a lot of, of, of really solid individuals and they're good dudes and they're hunters and, you know, they're, they're stepping up from, you know, uh, uh, Remington 700 30-06 or a 300 wind mag with a Leopold 3-9 to on it that has a seven and a half pound trigger and and then they're stepping into a realm of you know the best the best machine parts possibly available so you know they they take a lot of those old habits from that from that factory rifle that's hard to shoot good and it and it translates into a gun that is supposed to shoot good but all of a sudden it's not shooting good and nine times out of 10, it's, they're, you know, they're holding on to the gun, like it owes them money. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're expecting big things and big things don't happen. And, you know, you have to let the rifle do the work. Um, and another thing, you know, the biggest, the, the biggest thing I see, you know, guys coming into the long range world is the way that they set up on the gun like Trav was saying is, is, you know, they're so used to just, you know, throwing it up on a stump or whatever, and just kind of giving her one, but, and you watch <laughs> them get behind a gun or, <laughs> you know, you, you watch them get behind a gun. You're like, you're making love to it or what are you doing? Are you, you going to shoot or what's going on here? And, uh, and you know, they're, they're, they're <laughs> their shots are errant, you know, and, and they can't figure out why. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of guys call me and they're like, well, what's, you know, for some reason, I'm not saying it's the gun. And I'm like, it's not the gun, but tell me what's going on. And they'll tell me, right I'm like, now, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm willing to listen because that's, I'm, that's what I'm here for. I want to listen to what's going on. So let's talk about it. And they'll tell me, okay, I did this. I did this. I did this. And I said, okay, stop. Don't do any of those things ever again. Start here. <laughs> and, and and try this and do this five shots in a row get up do this get back behind the gun do five shots again and tell me what happens and then and nine times out of ten they'll call me back and like holy cow that was amazing i never even thought that i could you know i, I just literally shot the best group of my life you know or whatever and it's so sim they're like it's so simple but they they overthink it and and it brings a lot of joy to my heart when I when when somebody you know calls me in in kind of a panic saying uh, what's going on and and it takes them just a second to figure out let the gun do the work throw away all of what you thought you knew about shooting and start over and then it just everything clicks you know and then they're like oh why didn't I think of that um, that you know the biggest mistake is just 
it's an inanimate object. The rifle is an inanimate object, so it, 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 it will shoot to the same spot every single time. What happens is, is we screw all that up and we put the wing nut behind the trigger. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's, it's us. You know, I mean, it's it's physically us doing the problem, and we just need to think. We need to put our ego aside and and put our, you know, shoot a paper plate at 300 yards, ego aside, and say, okay, let's get down to brass tacks here. What do I need to do to get better? Yep. Are you saying people are bumping the gun too much? Like, what are some of those mistakes people are? Um, making? you know, well, a lot a lot of it is just is just not having a precision weapon and 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 overthinking it and overriding what the gun wants to do um and i've actually uh shot with a few people um that had questions like that and i've showed them what happens when i over grip the gun and then i'll shoot a group and i'll show them okay this is how you're supposed to hold this gun you know this is how this design is set up to shoot and i'll shoot and the group will be totally different and way smaller and then i'll do like an unloaded bipod versus a loaded bipod and the grips will be different and totally different you know what i mean and yeah. and you and you can see a look in their face like wow that's that's amazing that you that just those few little things you know like at a thousand yards i can camp the rifle 10 degrees to one side or the other and shoot off the plate and then level it up and shoot dead center you know what i'm saying so it's just it's little things like that that you see people doing. It's just like, yeah, I do it all the time. So I notice it, but for them, it's like a whole nother realm. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just kind of learned from Travis and you and all the tips, you know, Dallas said do this. So I just always done it that way, but it makes sense when people don't know those basics. Yeah. And Travis never right. told me all that stuff. So I think I need to go to the shooting school that you're going to do. because <laughs> I've learned a lot just sitting here talking to you for an hour. <laughs> Adam's still well, trying I... to figure out the, the arc of the bullet. I'm thinking, man, that's a big deer. <laughs> <laughs> I need to kill that deer. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's it's a really it's a it's a complicated simple process in the same all in the same sense and you know and i'll never admit to know everything of course i i mean you know a non very a not very smart human will say that he knows everything and but i've learned a lot and i love to i love sharing what i know and and if i can learn something along the way from somebody else which i have lots and i'm like I'm like a sponge, man. I just, I take it all in and everybody has a different way of doing things with the same outcome. You know what I mean? So yep. my, my, my biggest advice to uh, anybody that's, that's, that's having a problem is there's a lot of really good shooting forums and such. Um, but in reality is start from scratch, like just clear, clear the elements clear your mind and just say okay let's let's just just start from ground one and figure out what i need to do to become a better shot and and work from there whether it's you know talk to somebody get on a forum you know talk to you guys or you know just get advice from people and it, it's it's amazing what people will listen to and learn and 
you know, as long as they're listening to the right stuff, because there's a lot of stuff out there. You're like, what? No, you know, and it just doesn't work, but there's a lot of really good information out there. If you know where to look. Yeah. And that's, that's great advice. I've learned a lot too, just from listening to you. And what I think makes you most qualified to build guns for people is you're not just some dude that decided that you liked shooting and, you know, you went to a school for, and you just figured it out. You know, you have all these years of backed experience (laughs) that you've figured out how to do this. You know, you were in the beginning stages of long range shooting when you were printing out the charts every day and and things are on paper before it came out with all the technology. So you were there from ground zero, you know, you and Travis and, and my brothers and that, that thousand yard deer that Trevor shot. I still remember that, you know, just starting from (laughs) the ground and kind of like inventing it, not to say that you invented long range shooting, but figuring it out from the start. And I think that's what makes you so qualified is because just like you said, you're soaking it in like a sponge and you started from the bottom and figured it out right. from there and have all the experience behind it. Right. And it's, it's, you know, like you say, I, I didn't start it. I learned from probably one of the best shooters in the country. And, and, you know, he took, he, he divulged quite a bit of information to me and Trav. Um, and, you know, I, I can never repay him for that, but, you know, he, he was the one that, you know, um everybody's got to learn from somebody i don't care who you are and if you don't if you're not willing to listen you're never going to learn nothing and and you're not going to get anywhere and i learned and that was what really you know that was one of the things that really all it just you know from our first long range guns you know all the information that i was taking in and 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 trying new things just like i needed more you know i just i needed more i need more i need more i need what what makes it do this what what is doing this to cause this, you know, so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, it's, I definitely learned right off the bat that it's a, it's a, (laughs) it can be a nerve. It's like golf sometimes. It's super nerve wracking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just, I've had those days at the range Dallas and you probably don't have them so much anymore. Um, but they're, I have a, they're so frustrating. You know, yeah. I have a. I have I have. I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I I'll bring up another another really good tool that I suggest everybody have is is my probably the funnest gun to shoot and probably the most deadly all around rifle that I shoot is my, is my, uh, six, five song just for just all day shooting every kind of aspect. Right. It's just one of those guns that when I built it and started shooting it, it's just, it's super accurate. Right. And it just, no matter what I do, it's always just stacking. I mean, no matter what you do, it just shoots all day long, every day, hot, cold, rain and snow and whatever. So when I go to the range, like you just said, man, I had a really bad day at the range. That gun goes with me every single time. And that is the first gun that I shoot every single time. I have literally, (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I have literally went to the range, pulled that gun out and shot 
an absolute horrible group, packed all of my stuff back up and left because I knew that if that gun, if I was making that gun shoot that bad, nothing else was going to go good the rest of that range trip. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it was, you got to yeah, know your I mean, limit. I've done, well, and I've done that two or three times and just, you know, I have so much confidence in that rifle. And I, I mean, I have confidence in all my rifles, but that one for whatever reason, it's just, it's just natural for me to shoot just a tiny, tiny group, you know, and do it consecutively just on and off, no matter what. And I mean, I can have three monsters in me and, and fricking whatever. And that thing just stacks them. And like I said, if I, if I go to the range and that thing's not just printing them good, I'm like, well, another day, you know, so it's (laughs) not today. Yeah. Yeah, And that's why I think that six five's got so popular is that is just because of the accuracy. Like you said, that having a gun like that, if you can afford it to have that as well as a bigger hunting rifle, is just that confidence booster. I mean, it's like learning on a 22 before you start shooting a 30 at six. You know, you're not afraid of the kick. You're not afraid of the big boom. Um, And it's super accurate. So you just get out there and it's a huge confidence builder. I mean, I can totally see that. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, it's just. One thing I will say about about Dallas, and there's a lot of options um, as far as custom gun builds from all different levels and there's cookie cutters and then there's guys like you and um, kind of anywhere in between. But I, I think what really kind of sets you apart is you don't have any employees. You're a one man show. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, one man so show. When I, when I have the problem with the gun, I don't have to call so-and-so corporation or so-and-so gun builders and get, you know, guy number one. And then next week and I say, okay, this worked. Then I call back and I say, well, then I get guy number three because guy number one's on vacation or something like that. You know me, you know the gun, you shot it, you tuned it, you know the load, and uh, you're getting that um, help throughout the build and for the life of the gun. Like you said, it's got your name on it. I think that's huge. Yeah. That's, to me, that's everything. I mean, uh, you don't know how many times people have called me like, you know what, I'm fed up with so-and-so this, you know, multi-glomerate fricking, you know, I can't ever get an honest answer out of nobody. I've talked to five different guys and blah, blah, blah. It's just, I mean, it frustrates me because it's like, you know, take pride in what you do and take pride in your, in your, and take ownership in what you build. And, um, you know, I remember every single gun I've built. I remember all of my customers. I remember what they were shooting and why they were shooting it. And, and, it's kind of an uncanny knack, I guess you could say, um, that I can remember that kind of stuff. It's kind of silly, but, um, I guess it just kind of stems on the fact that, you know, I take a lot of pride in what I do and, and I have a lot of passion for what I do. And, um, I think that really kind of, kind of sets, uh, guys like myself apart where, we know what's going out the door and we know it's going to shoot and we know you're going to love it. And if it doesn't, guess what? We will, I will make it right. No matter what I have to do, you know, whether I got to drive to freaking Alaska and pick it up myself, you know, <laughs> I will, I will do that because, you know, a, it has my name on it and B I want you to be 100% satisfied period. Yep. End of story. Yeah. Like you yeah. said, it literally has his name 
laying precision right on the <laughs> right in the action engraved. So it's got his name on it, and that that tells you how far back we go. Because I remember when he started building, we were in a pickup doing something, kicking around ideas for what the name of his gun building thing would be. And it's like, I just remember having the conversation with him. Like, I think it's really respectable. If you have like your name in it, yep. like, you got a cool name, like lane and, and like my name Schneider. I can't really have that as a stupid name. No, <laughs> but I'm like, and then he's like, you know, one, we just kept bouncing ideas off and it was like lane precision. He's like that. Yeah. You know, we both just, thought that's it right there and so it's really neat to have his actual name engraved in the side of the rifle like you said um he's a man if there's an issue he's gonna fix it and and that's that's the biggest reason that you know not only have we i feel like um we've just hunted together so long and i told you dallas has always been a perfectionist and his his bows and his guns always shot the best it's just um the guy's got an, an eye for not only functionality, but also what looks good. It's like, if I'm going to spend all that money, and that's kind of what I remember thinking right off the get-go. It's like, if I'm going to spend all that money, like, I don't want a gun that looks like I just pulled it off the, uh, you know, it looks like another Remington or something like that, and it, like 50 other people have that same identical gun. Dallas has an eye of color choice and all these different things to bring these guns together to kind of customize it to yourself. And it's like, wow, I have a one of a kind gun in my hand. You know, there might be a lot of them out there with the same barrel and the same stock, but color schemes and just all this different cool stuff that he does. And he's got, you know, custom paint shop guys or hydro dipping. And he does all this, what is it called? Melanite. You tell us, tell yeah. me about your, the coat you do in the action and, I mean, go through some of that custom stuff that, you know, people just either don't know or don't know what they're looking for when they're talking to someone else. Well, like, like, uh, I would say probably, you know, it's been a few years. I, I started noticing things on, on not only guns I was building, but other people's guns they were bringing to me from other manufacturers other gun builders and I was like I wonder why <clears throat> why aren't people doing this so I started looking into it and and now come full circle <clears throat> I have every I take the action every single piece of the action apart and have every single piece minus the spring melanite coated or DO and DLC coated and for several reasons. And I also have the action screws melanited. I have the mag boxes melanited. I have the followers melanated. I mean, everything that I do is, is there's a functionality and a purpose for it. And a lot of guys give me a hard time for it because they're like, well, why are you spending that kind of, I mean, why are you spending that much effort and time into these guns? And I'm just like, if you don't, what, I mean, that doesn't set you, you know, no one will remember your name you know what i mean it's yeah yeah, it's it's no one will remember your name no one will remember like you know when i got this gun the first thing i noticed every part of the detail of the rifle and every part that was going to succumb to the you know like like say for say alaska you know 
it doesn't take long for for stuff up there to go haywire and uh you know i started doing that because you know on my personal guns i started noticing wear and rust spots and so on and so forth and i was like you know what why isn't anybody else doing this why isn't you know and and you start talking to people and like well it's just too much money it's too much time it's too much this and it's too much all it was just excuse after excuse after excuse and i'm like well that's not good enough that's not you know that's not that's not who i am that's not what i'm about who cares if it's a little bit more money out of your pocket what you should be delivering to your customers is the very best rifle that you can possibly produce you know they're paying a lot of good money you know hard-earned money for this you should give them the best product you can possibly build you know whether it's a you know i mean there's a a a 16th inch screw inside of the action that holds the bolt release in and that's i mean i even have that melanite it's just it's kind of crazy but you know and i'm and like travis says i'm super super meticulous and picky and and if something's not right i want it i want it fixed now i don't i don't play around i don't whatever it takes fix it make it right you know what if i need to put a coating on it let's do it if i need to change it let's do it you know it's because the end user is you guys you know uh my customers my friends depend on these things and and if and if something goes wrong that's my fault you know so yeah no i love that man that's awesome to to know how you over deliver for your customers you know i know you i know you're a hard worker you're going to only deliver the best and that's what we like the best of the best no matter what the cost is we want the best it's never ever going to fail us in the field because when it comes down to it that's what matters you don't want to skimp on those kind of things and get out in the field and then pay for it and you know ruin a good opportunity that you might have some success yeah and for us it's you know it's the I tell people it's the last line of defense you know whether it comes to um reloading your rounds or your rifle you spent you know you spent a hundred thousand on a plane and you spent 15 grand on avgas and you spent hundreds of hours of research and you drew a tag and you get all this invested into it and now it finally comes and the elk winded you or something it's not exactly ideal and you're confident in your gun you know it's going to work because it's been raining non-stop for seven days and your action's full of tundra it's still going to work you know that's what you need to that's what you need to have confidence in for and yeah, we we put them through the test and pound them pretty good. Oh yeah, you have to, you know, and it's it's good to have, you know, uh, it's good to have the the stuck in the rut guys and you guys uh, on on my side because uh, I don't I've never seen anybody as hard on them, <laughs> and that's and and that's not you know I've never Adam seen anybody the wear the site. Well, I've never, I have literally never seen anybody wear the side of a night force, the, the anodized coating off the size of the side of their scope, like Trav did. And that's just, that's just time <laughs> in the field. That's just hours and hours and hours of packing that thing. And, you know, it's, it's just, that's what they're built for. That's and If they can't go through that, then they're worthless. Like, dude, why are you, huh? why are you using my gun as a walking stick? well do you guys have anything to share before we wrap up here i know it's late there for you guys no i don't think so i mean i think we i think we covered it we just told the truth uh how dallas builds guns that's the truth you want the best that's why we go with him (laughs) yeah 
Well, we really appreciate you you both joining us tonight. I know we're kind of all stuck in quarantine, so it's good that we can connect from thousands of miles away and just chat about long-range hunting because that's what we love to do. So, um, Dallas, if anybody wants to reach out to you or find you, what's the best way to do that? Um, you know, I, they can go on my website, laneprecisionrifles.com. Um, you know, or and that's that's about the easiest way. They can connect right with right through my website to me. Um, and if they have any questions, you know, any questions, just quick questions, something like that, they can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Or um, I have two good pages on there. Or you know, they can they can also call Trav at you know, stuck in the rut, and uh, he's been very helpful also. Awesome. Well, thanks guys so much for all of your input tonight. It was super fun chatting with you. Thanks, Dallas. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Tana. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to uh, Tana, myself, Dallas, and Trav tonight. And it was a really fun podcast. And got to learn a lot about Dallas and different hunting styles and how he does stuff on the weapon choice. And you just, when you get a gun from Dallas, you know it's, a, it's an expensive investment. You have to pay to play. But what we do know is Dallas gives you customer service for life. And his phone's always open. And he's quick to get back to you. And he's going to be able to help you on the fundamentals and techniques of shooting or maybe a tweak on the gun that's not going quite right or maybe why you missed that animal. And it's definitely an investment, but he's a one-man show. He doesn't have any employees. And you're going to get Dallas when he picks up the phone. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, follow us on YouTube and subscribe there. And if you like the podcast, please give us a review. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.